Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author, and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together and we have some great people helping us along the way. Now, if we step back and think about it, without any emotion and without any skin in the game, we could probably agree that perfect does not exist and comparing ourselves to perfect or to others can just take a chunk out of our self-esteem because we're always gonna fall short. Of course, many children and teens suffer from poor self-esteem and many adults do too. What about for the child who feels different? The child or teen who isn't necessarily striving to be perfect, but striving to just sort of seem like everyone else, and they're not, or be seen as what they know their parents would find acceptable, their peers would expect, their teachers would reward, or society details as what is beautiful or acceptable or honored or necessary to build a success, uh, successful life. When children and teens don't fit the mold, what they like to do or how they show up in the world and their gender identity don't fit like puzzle pieces in society at large without the child needing to sort of maybe shave off pieces of themselves to cram themselves in. How do we parent those children so that they know that they're worthy of love and kindness? How do we talk to them about tough topics like bullying or discrimination or identity or the ugly voice inside their own heads that might tell them the meanest things? What mistakes do we need to avoid? And what can we do instead to raise someone who doesn't fit in any box. For that, we turn to my next amazing guest, Jeffrey Marsh. Jeffrey Marsh is a non-binary activist, author, Instagram and TikTok star, and LGBTQ keynote speaker with over 1 billion social media views. Jeffrey was the first non-binary author to sign with the Big Five publisher with their amazing best-selling memoir, which I read, How to Be You, Stop Trying to Be Someone Else and Start Living Your Life. On a personal note, I started following Jeffrey and when they talk to you on Instagram or TikTok videos, it's like they're talking to you. It's so genuine and so beautiful. And I'm just so honored to have Jeffrey Marsh on the show today and perhaps introduce you to someone who can open our minds about how we can help our kids step into who they are, whoever that may be, drop the facade and just be their fabulous self, living their best life and spreading their gifts. To bring out the elephant in the room before we get started, I'm aware that some of you might be feeling a little uncomfortable right now, especially when we may be discussing kids who identify as uh, LGBTQ. And I implore you to stick with us 
and open your mind and your heart because this conversation is of grave importance. And I'm not exaggerating. We have a beautiful person to help us through it. Welcome Jeffrey Marsh to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I love you so much. I almost just fainted with how good you are at this. Oh, thank you. I almost you. just fell over because sometimes the host will do the intro without, you know, separately without the guests there, yes. right? Yes, yes. So I got the great opportunity. I was sitting here the whole time yes. and just beaming with how, you know, famous I am and how much I've accomplished. <laughs> you kind yes, of are. Of <laughs> but in addition to that, how beautifully you set it up. Oh, thank you. And the whole experience from first being contacted by you to today shows that you deeply care. You care about the kids, you care about the parents, you care about the show. Mm-hmm. You just are, everything you do is, is infused with care. Mm. You're so special. There's just, as I mentioned in the well, intro. We're lies detected. Was I lying to you? No, <laughs> I just, true. it's you just like care. so sincere. And yeah. thank you for lifting me up. That is beautiful. I love the way that you do that for your audience. I love that way that you just did that for me. Before we leap into everything, I would love to know what gets you up in the morning and what got you so interested in, in focusing on stop trying to be someone else and start living your own life. What got you so interested in this self-esteem piece, this identity piece? Well, there are about a million ways I could answer that question, but let's start with, I had ill-equipped parents. Mm. Um, My parents and my school teachers, other kids uh, in my class, people at church, I can't ever remember encountering someone who really fully loved and accepted me for who I am when I was a kid. Mm. So it was a constant message of change yourself, do this different, you know, mostly butch it up, Jeffrey, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. do this, fit in this box over here, make this, you know, please Jesus, you know, all of these messages from every single person be different. There Mm -hmm. is something wrong with you, change who you are. Mm -hmm. And I got to a point where I made those outside voices into inside voices. And you beautifully hinted at this already, Mm -hmm. right? But the self-hate that I enthusiastically adopted, ah, gosh, I mean, I could talk about it. Let me see if I can talk about it poetically. Almost made it so that I would not be here with you today. On several occasions, actually. And things got so bad that eventually I I did something very drastic and I moved to a Buddhist monastery. Wow. And lived as a monk in the monastery. Wow. And um, learned that the most important thing is how we treat ourselves and the ways that we love ourselves. Mm-hmm. And can I, can I say one more thing? Yes, about that? please do. It just yes. excites me so much for anyone listening. And this goes for your kids. And this goes for you as a parent. The thing you were told is most wrong with you is your greatest gift to the world. I agree with that. 
I agree with that. Oh, good. And, and re- <laughs> we don't have to fight on it. No, reframing your strength, like re- reframing people's, the thing that seems to draw them back and, and make them cower and make them feel bad. If we repackage it as parents, helping mm. kids to mm. see it as a strength. Let me give you an example. Please. And so I have a son who is, uh, he has ADHD and, mm. and he, so he obviously gets distracted by different things. And that means when he's in school, if he sees like if somebody's out in the, in the hallway, he's going to hear them and his attention is going to go outward. If something's happening outside, he's going to notice that. And, and that's one of the ways I was kind of explaining ADHD to him, but I was, I said to him, but it's also a gift. So that same thing that kind of pulls your attention this way and that way makes you love science, a great scientist. You notice things, you have a noticer's brain and you notice the things other people don't. So that means that when we're standing outside and you go, mom, do you see that deer across the lake, you know, hiding between the trees, it's camouflage and I'm looking and looking or the moss on the rock or the sunset, which I pass by constantly. And he's like, mom, did you notice this, this beautiful sunset? Well, then you can take something that can look like something that bites you in the butt and actually turns out is the very thing that propels you forward. (laughs) I love the way you phrased that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and here's, here's a little tip I learned at the Buddhist monastery. There is nothing wrong to focus on. Oh, meaning your attention is always somewhere. Society, culture, tends to have ideas about what is correct to focus on, mm-hmm. right. but that's that's just made up. And as right. you so beautifully pointed out, you if you started by saying that your child will be distracted. And I even think, my goodness, your child has an omnivorous attention. Mm. Your child has a talent for being able to focus and focus quickly on things that conventionally other folks don't focus on. Mm-hmm. And to make that into you know, something wrong with a person mm-hmm. just seems really unfortunate to me. Agreed. So in your book, and I know this is one of your favorite mm-hmm. spots, but in your book, you, one of the areas that you talk about is fear. And you talk about it several times, fear holding us back from doing the things that we're meant to do, being our true selves, from learning something. You even say fear is an indication that your horizons are about to broaden. I love that circled it, underlined it, started yeah. it. Yeah. When it comes to parents and children and fear, you kind of get a double dose. The parents are fearful about their child trying something new, not all the time, but let's say in this situation, because this happens a lot, the, ch- the, the parent is, is nervous about the child trying something new, going someplace new, meeting somebody new. And the child reflects that and is also fearful of trying something new 
the child is fearful and projects that out. And then it's like this big, you know, feedback loop. So if, if we have for the, the parents listening right now, what do you want them to know about fear and how they can help their child to face their fears by maybe also facing their own? Oh, you answered it. You answered for me. How about that? <laughs> what almost no parent wants to hear. So parents DM me all the time and I do coaching and sometimes I will coach parents. Mm. Um, it's very popular for a parent to want to know how to treat their LGBTQ kid. And I have great slash awful news. You have to do the work yourself. Mm -hmm. The question is always, what are you demoing mm -hmm. for your kid? Mm -hmm. And if you're demoing that fear, maybe not always, but chances are that that fear will just be inherited because we know that from our own experience, right? We inherited that from our parents. Right. And I found out as an adult that both of my parents were afraid. Yeah. I it, it gave you another understanding of them, it seemed. Yes. So, right? Yep. Yeah. So there was a point where my dad apologized for my childhood. Ugh. And um, wow. my, my, to his credit, right? I think that's to a good his thing. credit for sure. <laughs> but he said, I was afraid of what other parents would think of me that I oh. had an LGBTQ child. Got it. But when I was a kid, the only thing I got was my dad hates me, right? The only thing I got was there's something deeply wrong with me and no one on earth understands me. And, you know, part of me, when my dad said that I was like 30 and uh, part of me was like, couldn't you have said that when I was like seven, <laughs> when I needed to hear that, right. you know? And if, parents are driven by that fear, I think it's almost inevitable that kids will, will sponge that up. So when, when you came out to your parents, mm -hmm. according to your book, it didn't go so well. Your Correct. mom was very surprised and, and scared. I thought that was pretty obvious in the way that you wrote it. Yeah. Perhaps perhaps scared, I would say, right. And told you that you don't know anything about this. Okay. You don't, you're only 11. Like, you don't know, you don't know what you're talking about. You should be thinking about this, you, whatever your father, as you mentioned, in your videos, you tried to beat the LGBTQ out of you. So can you tell us the do's and don'ts of what to do or say when a child, either our child or our student, or our niece, or our nephew comes out to us? Like, what should we not do or say now that you have this great perspective? And what, sh what should we do or say? Like, what do you wish was done or said? It's a dangerous question to answer because I don't want people to think that parents are required to be perfect. Good point. Mm -hmm. I actually never, so I could give you the, you know, the tips and tricks and, you know, I'm happy to, but if I never craved a mom that was perfect, mm -hmm. I honestly just craved a mom that was a little more Frank and connected, really. right? Like there was like, a yeah, connection. that could tell me even that could even tell me, you know, 
I don't know about all this LGBTQ stuff uh, or, you know, I'm, I'm a little scared. I saw on TV that you uh, might get a disease, you know, right. all the stuff that was going through her mind so that we could just talk about it. Right. And I think a lot of parents have this, this idea that you need to have this perfect front quote unquote, you're the parent. So you have to be like the final answer giver kind of energy mm-hmm. and goodness, not at all. I think as a kid, I just craved wanting to see the process more, honestly. It's so beautifully said. And, and I hope that listeners are really tuning into that. And I just want to put high beams on that, that, that it's not in what you're saying. It's just being present and, and making sure that your kid knows that you're on the same page, like you're willing to do the work, to find out the information, to connect with other people who might know more, that you're, you're there maybe as not the final person, but maybe the bridge to somebody else who might know more because maybe you don't know and that's okay. Maybe you never lived it and that's okay. Yeah, and to circle back for a second, you have to be doing the work yourself. Mm. that's how you can find that vulnerability with your own kid. Mm. Mm. That's how you can talk about your process because you've looked at it yourself. And that's what no parent wants to. So maybe we'll have a chance to talk about the binary Mm -hmm. (laughs) and what women are programmed into and what men are programmed into and what the difference is. I would love to talk about that. Yeah. I would love to. Especially when it comes to parenting, but yeah. What I can say right off the bat is a lot of moms coach with me and almost all of them were programmed by their own moms into thinking that having a family means you sacrifice everything. Mm. Mm. And so what a lot of daughters learn is, oh, sacrifice. Right. Right. Give of yourself, <laughs> that, oh, that's my identity. Sacrifice. Give of right. yourself until there's nothing yeah. left and that's okay. Like that exhaustion, yes. that mental exhaustion, that physical yes. exhaustion is fine as long as everybody else stays afloat. Yes. And then while you're mentally, physically exhausted, can't you give a little more? Yeah. Like, Shouldn't you also going. be baking for the church? Yes. <laughs> oh, know? that's right. Okay. There's a bake sale. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. So why don't you, why don't you tell people what, actually somebody literally just asked me the other day when I, I was at a, a neighbor's house because I told them I was interviewing you. And mm-hmm. he said, I don't understand. Like what, what is non-binary? Like what, what are you, what are we even talking about here? So how about explaining to people who are listening, what it means to be non-binary and how it fits in a little bit with like LGBTQ, because I think people know, okay, I know what it means to be gay. I know what it means to be lesbian. I know what, you know, I, I know a couple of these letters, but I don't, I don't know. There's no end. So what is nine? <laughs> button? When, nine button? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you're humored by me. See? Well, no, I absolutely am. And w- one thing that I love the most about LGBTQ people is, and our movement, is that we're the ones adding letters. Yes, I see that. Yes. We're the true. inclusive ones, right? Yes. We're the alphabet, right? Pretty soon we'll be at all 26 and they'll all stand for something. Right? <laughs> and everybody is welcome. Yes. Right? That's what I love. So uh, what is non-binary? You, you, I don't think you got a chance to mention it, but I was also the very first non-binary person to appear on national TV. Oh, wow. And talk That's amazing. about us. And it happened to yes. be on a network called Newsmax. 
if you've heard of them. I don't know if I've, <laughs> have I heard of Newsmart? So something about the LGBTQ experience that the very first person, me, to talk about us, it was in a, um, it was in a not supportive environment. Oh gosh, that stinks. It does stink, but it also says something about perseverance and who we are and what needed to happen first. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so when we talk about the binary, we're talking about what most people are taught is the sum of gender, man and woman. That's two. And that's, we, we, semi-affectionately call the binary, right? Mm -hmm. So anybody who is non-binary is just somebody that's not a man, not a woman, maybe a combo of the two, maybe somewhere else, maybe something that's, you know, between, who knows? And it is a way to refer to folks that are outside those boxes that most parents think they have to teach their kids are the only boxes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's helpful. That's no, it really is. And, and how does it relate to trans then? Trans is a huge umbrella term. So trans includes, oh gosh, I, can I nerd out for a second? I love the nerding out. I mean, my PhD, come on. Um, (laughs) Trans. Okay, good. Trans T-R-A-N-S is a Latin prefix. And its opposite in Latin is cis, C-I-S. And so you can actually have, I'll pull an example. It actually comes up in STEM a lot. Mm -hmm. But to pull out an example, you can do it with geography. And so you can go on a trip that is Mm transatlantic, goes across the Atlantic. You can also go on a trip from Baltimore to New York City that is cis Atlantic, stays on the same side of Atlantic. Mm And so trans just means on the other side of, and cis means on the same side of. Uh, Scientists will use it to refer to where an electron is, Mm. for example. Mm. When we put it in front of gender, it means transgender. It means someone who has gone to the other side of, as opposed to cisgender, someone who has stayed on the same side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's still then binary, right? Well, that's a great question because that's the next step. So T-R-A-N-S, trans, has become this umbrella term to include both transgender people, someone like Laverne Cox, uh, someone like Caitlyn Jenner, people who have gone from one side of the binary to another side, or people like me, non-binary, people who are not going to a particular side of that binary. Okay. That's really helpful. Thank you. You're so so welcome. (laughs) By the way... When I talk to high schoolers, uh, 12-year-olds, right, they understand that. They oh, that. They, c- people tell me all the time, like, oh, they, aren't they going to be confused, not just about this, about every topic that I come up with, right? I mean, how to talk to kids about porn, <laughs> death, sex, yeah. death, death, death. It's that, like, aren't they going to be confused? Aren't they going to be confused? And I'm like, the first words are really not. Mind. Yeah, they're they're really not. They they completely get it. We we adopted our kids, so like it's yeah. I get a lot of the questions like, aren't they confused about having a birth mother and a birth? No, they're not. They're just not confused <laughs> having a birth mother, birth father, or their parents. Like it's not confusing. It just is. It's life. You know. You're so like, that's an easy answer. No, yeah, no. But yeah. they they just take it in. Yes, they're they're. I wanted to say this 
way back in the very beginning because mm. you had a caveat for this whole episode. And my caveat would be parents tend to leap in their minds to, oh, if I have to talk about LGBTQ identities with my kids, I have to talk about sex. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm. And like all human beings, LGBTQ people have a darn full life. Uh, sex is a part of that, but we, our identities are all over the place and we have stories and families and everything that cisgender or straight people have. We have all that stuff too. Right. Right. And the other thing you, so uh, it's, you know, when it's time to have an age appropriate conversation about sex and dating and all that stuff with your kid, go for it would be my recommendation. For sure. But they can know about gender identity. They can know about LGBTQ people. They can know about families that are different from their own family. And, and it's all fine. Yeah. I, I don't know. If, you no, know, I think it's really important. And I think it's also the other, the other fear that a lot of parents tend to have is if I talk about it, sex, you know, suicide, any of these tough topics, LGBTQ. You'll give them the it, idea to do it. <laughs> you give them the idea to do it. You know, this, yeah, no, no, it does way. not work that way. My, I have a friend, Jessica Herthel, who wrote a children's book with Jazz Jennings. I am Jazz. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So yeah. Jazz is, she, I went, she and I went to high school together and she's oh. on this podcast too. She, she did, um, she talked about how to, how to talk about transgender from her perspective of an activist. And, yeah. and so we read that book, you know, she sent me the galley copy when my kids were like four and three, and there's my husband reading this to them. Right. Uh, which was great. And then it was like not much time left after that, where they met somebody who was transgender, a kid. Oh, is this person, this person's like jazz, like the I am jazz? Yeah. Oh, okay. Move on. You know, it's, it's like when you talk to them about it, it's like they get it so quick that they can then understand people. You got to talk about this stuff with people because then they, they just accept people for who they are and then they can just move on with their lives. Like it's, it's not a big deal. Oh my gosh. I can't tell you the number of times that a young kid has said to me, are you a boy or a girl? Mm-hmm. And I say, oh, you know, gee, I don't think I've decided for today mm-hmm. yet, <laughs> you know, and they, you just give an age appropriate answer. Right. That's, that's true for you. And that's, that makes perfect sense to them. Mm-hmm. Yes. It seems exactly. to. It seems to, it seems to, and they just, ex- they're accepting. Yes. The other yeah. thing you made me think of um, is people ask me all the time in interviews, what advice would you give your six-year-old self? Yes. And I always say, I would ask my six-year-old self for advice. Are you kidding? So beautiful. (laughs) That was the age when I knew how people should treat each other Mm -hmm. and what the world was like and what, you know, what it, what it meant to be a human being. Right. 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 I would love to hear what six-year-old Jeffrey really thought of all that stuff. Yes. I like to tap into that. As I get older, I get less sure. (laughs) of of all that stuff. Yeah. You talk about confidence a lot and, and, and that piece, like I'm not confident all the time. I, I would ask you like when a, when a person bravely does declare to their parents that they're trans and that they would like to start living in a way that feels more true to them. This is a huge change, not just for the person who is going through that transition, but for the people around them too. 
I think it's scary for people. It's not easy for people to begin this journey. It's not easy for people in the middle of the journey uh, and to, to know what to do or say or how to take it in. I, I certainly have friends that are are coping with this right now and trying to figure out like, how do I, how do I help my child? Like my child is feeling really strange about their bodies and they're, they're, they're having a lot of struggles. What advice would you give to parents of trans teens? You're already there. That's my advice. Um, Mm. My parents never asked, Mm. how could I help my LGBTQ child? Right. So to me, Asking that question is the work Mm. and doing the work and being messy and in process is good parenting to me. Mm. Mm. How can I help my child? Oh my goodness. You're in the headspace that you want to know. That's a good parent. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. That's it. You're doing it. That's it. And just showing up. Yeah. 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 There are some very yep. scary statistics out there, though, regarding LGBTQ kids, and you can't oh, deny sure. them. I mean, th- who wind up in the streets, who die by suicide, who are rejected, yep. you know, by their parents. Yep. The Suicide Prevention Resource Center estimated that between five to ten percent of LGBTQ youth, depending on age and gender, have attempted suicide, a rate that is 1.5 to three times higher than heterosexual youth. 1.6 million youth are homeless each year, and up to 40% of them are LGBTQ. So can you help us to understand? What goes on in a young person's head or heart when they're being rejected for who they are? And what do we lose out on as parents, as educators, as society, when we try to talk our kids out of being who they are? Love that question. Uh, You miss out on some of the most beautiful people that you'll ever encounter in your life. And of course, in order to dim the light of your LGBTQ child, you got to be dimming your own too. So it's probably something you'd want to look at just for your own freedom. In addition to having a free, happy, healthy LGBTQ child too. Mm -hmm. I'll throw another number at you because Glisten is an org that I work with and they do a school survey um, every year or every couple of years. And the latest school survey, a child's, it's difficult to talk about. An LGBTQ child's rate of considering suicide drops by about 42% if they have one adult in their life who affirms who they are. Wow. And the sort of subtle implication. I know we talked about how intelligent you are earlier, so you probably (laughs) have already picked up on this, but you know, the subtle implication beneath that is many, 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 many children have zero adults who affirm who they are. That's how they could study it, right? There's research that tells us that that young people don't feel that they have at least three people, three adults to turn to in a time of Mm -hmm. need or challenge. And, and so when I'm speaking to audiences about all of this, 
I just tell them to be one of the three. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. Like, you Dye can your be hair purple. Hair. Yeah. Become yeah. a librarian. Yes. <laughs> whatever you are, like whoever you are, you know, at whatever key adult there is, like yeah. we've got yeah. coaches listening and we've got, yep. you know, educators listening and yes, parents, yes, aunts and uncles. Like we have all these different people that are listening in, like, just be one of those three, just be the one, just be one, as you're yeah. saying. Yeah. I would, I would, I was joking around. Um, you don't have to dye your hair purple. Everyone. You don't have to, or become um, a librarian. I mean, if or you don't become want a librarian, to. but Although you can, I feel we should have more of those in the world. So <laughs> as, as many librarians as we can get in the world. Yeah. The, I was, I was joking and you know, the hint inside the joke was be overt about it. Mm. Be really proud, put up that poster, have the rainbow keychain, right? Really let people know because if kids are desperate and looking, gosh, you want to give them that signal often, early, yeah, overtly. Oh, yeah. I think that's really important. So would you, so when it comes to like talking just about gender identity, like the kind of umbrella, yeah. Uh, since I do do all my work is surrounding talking to kids about tough topics and helping people kind of take that step, a lot of them really do want to know what to say because they don't know what to say. Like, so we just give them some starting things like starting words. Um, you know, so how do I talk to kids about sex? How do I talk to kids about death? A lot of them wait until like their uncle dies. And then all of a sudden they're like, you know, I have to talk to my kid about death. And then they write to me. I posit that we need to be doing it earlier. How would you say that we start to talk to kids about gender when you're telling us it's, it's more nuanced than one thing or another? And I would say to anybody, because, you know, we've got, yes, we've got some kids that are like girls playing with dolls and, and boys playing football and our, and parents going, oh, I don't really need to talk to them about gender because they're, they're swimming along and, and doing the thing that society says is appropriate. So oh, look at the time they're 18. Okay. Bye. <laughs> but, so, 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 so what is when do you feel like we should be talking about it? What should we be saying? What should we talk about when it comes to gender identity? Because I think it's something that a lot of parents just don't talk about since, you know, it's just the kid is who, who they are and we just move on. Yeah. I know you're famous around the world. And you have an international, <laughs> international listenership. So uh, I'm, I'm going to tell a story about kindergarten. And that's around five years old in the yes. U.S. And I got in trouble for taking all the, the dresses, the princess dresses. And um, I was all, and, and when on through my social media feed, whenever I interact with kindergarten teachers, they say, yeah, the personality is pretty much set or at least pretty obvious by the time mm -hmm. you're around that age. And what's intriguing to me and what we've been talking about this whole time, two things, your kid may want to do the talking, mm. be open to that. That's, that would be first advice to me. And your kid, oh, I just love the way you phrased it. I feel it's partly your responsibility as a parent to head some things off at the pass. Don't wait until your LGBTQ kid comes home and has been beat up at school or has been made fun of at school. Then we're in a territory where we're, it's like urgency territory. Yes. 
and they're not even listening to you because they're thinking they just were beat up. Right. And the kid may even interpret your urgency as something wrong with them, Mm -hmm. that now they've created all these problems, right. Mm -hmm. By being who they are. And that's, we don't, we want to, we want to be able to talk about these things before, beforehand. So what would you say about it? Like, what would you say about this binary or what would you, what would you say about gender identity and expectations and discrimination? Like, how would you start talking about this when you know you're sending out your child into the world and not everybody's going to be as accepting? Yeah. The, the thing that I immediately thought of, which I guess has become this theme of our show today, you have to be doing your own work. Mm-hmm. An LGBTQ kid is an invitation for you to get over your own gender stuff. Oh, yeah. So if you want to know what to say, <laughs> start by doing some of that work, and then it'll become obvious what to say. Mm-hmm. So some of the biggest blowback, uh, my TikTok was on Tucker Carlson's show. Oh boy, <laughs> Tucker played it as an example of, you know, how how awful the world is and stuff like that. Deviant TikTokers. Yeah, how TikTok Mm -hmm. is coming for your children and that sort of narrative. Because you're clearly giving them the idea Uh, of what to do. Yes. And some of the biggest hate I get is when I come after misogyny. Mm. When I come after gender roles. So not necessarily, I mean, I don't think that is like an LGBTQ thing. No, it's not, not at all. Right? No. But one video I made was, you know, there are no girls toys. You should be able to play with what you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are no boys sports. Yes. Right. Girls should be able to be on whatever team they want to be on. Right. And that is some of the biggest blowback I've gotten mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the universal message for us, for non-binary people, for LGBTQ people is freedom. So I don't know if you necessarily need to have certain language for your kid. You just have to be able to not have a terrible reaction when your son wants a Barbie. Mm. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like yes, it is I those day-to-day mean. intimate interactions. And if you let your kid lead and they ask questions and you've done your own homework, I mean, to me, you're golden. I mean, listening to this, I feel like any parent that's listening to this right now is, is light years ahead. I mean, they're, they're hearing. I would think so. Yeah. Preaching to the choir. I mean, really it's, I think they're cure, you know, we have amazing parents and educators and coaches listening and they're, they're curious. They want to know. And and my friend the other day who asked me about non-binary. Yeah. He was like, I just don't get it. Like, I don't understand it, but he wasn't being like mean about it. He wasn't like saying it's wrong. He's just like, I don't understand it. Could you explain it? And I was like, well, I am not the expert in this, but I can explain to you what I know. And, and, and at the end he was like, I now understand. Like I now get it. Okay. That's he was like, it's not this and it's not that. Okay. Like I get it now. And, and so a lot of people, I think, don't understand and want to be included in the conversation. So, but they don't know where to start. And so here we are, you know, giving them this information. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I, would, me too. I would wonder for those who are listening right now and they're like, all right, I've got a kid in my class who definitely, you know, definitely like Jeffrey or, um, you <laughs> know, like something's, they, up, something's happening, right. Something's, something's happening, like all there. the dresses, like, yeah. what, you know, like, yeah. The parents are not supportive of this. Right. We've already discussed this. Like they're not supportive of this. 
So what is your message to the aunts, the uncles, the educators, the coaches, the, 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 the parent who's divorced and the other person is not, you know, on the same team. Ooh, ooh, that happens a lot. Yeah. What, mm-hmm. what, what, what is your message to those parents or educators or coaches when they have somebody in their family or who is directly in the family of that child, if they're not, and, and, and they're, they're not supportive. Like what, what can you say to the people who are like trying to hold the boat up here? Overcompensate. That's what I would say. Mm. You better be the most rainbow enthusiastic (laughs) (laughs) waving a flag pride march um, Mm -hmm. human being because because we need a counterbalance. Right. Right. You need in some places you need a counterbalance to your own governor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, so so first advice is follow the law. So teachers in certain places can't help. LGBTQ kids, period. Right. Or at least there's not a, you know, not a an easy way to do so. Yeah. So sad that I have to say that, but that's that is sad. It is true. Number two, following the law is important. True. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Number two, yeah, overcompensate. Just be very, very kind and enthusiastic Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. loving. Mm -hmm. Which I would hope someone is in a teaching profession or or something like that because that's their goal. I think that listening in on this podcast can probably brought up a lot of things for people. And let's say that some of the, 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 the adults who are listening, the key adults are listening and they're like, I made a mistake. Like I, I blew this. Like I, I'm thinking of specific instances where I could have said this and I said that, or I did nothing, or I brushed under a rug and, and, and I blew it. So what do you want adults to know as they're currently privately bashing themselves in their own head for telling their child that they shouldn't be who they are, that they need help, that they need to be somebody different. If they tried harder, they could be straight. Um, and now are seeing the child slip away from them, slip away from themselves. What would you say to these people now who are many of them listening probably right now realize they made they've been making a mistake what what do you want them to know right now call it out talk about it communicate that to your kid don't be the thing you can do right now is say oh gosh i really made some some mistakes i'm so sorry right mm-hmm. right and have the talk with your kid that's what you can do immediately yeah it's like term. I I messed up. I messed up. And now and yes. now I know better. I, I can do better. I know better. I can do better. And it's perfectly fine to say that. And what more beautiful, graceful thing to teach your kid than how to mess up and, and <laughs> call it out. Right? I do it constantly. Yes. Constantly. Yes. 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 Yeah. Longer term, again, do your own work. When Mm -hmm. I work with people, I'll sometimes assign somebody to write down some of the voices in their head and having them out of their head and on a piece of paper, they have voices saying, oh, you're so fat. Oh, you're Mm -hmm. disgusting. How could Mm -hmm. you, right? Mm -hmm. Ew, ugh, right? They just, the level of evil going on inside our own heads is a shock to people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I talk to people about the voices and I actually will ask them, who is that? 
Like whose voice is that? <laughs> it's a good question, right? Right? Because it's someone's like, running oh, your life in there. Who is that? <laughs> who who is it? And it's like, oh, this yeah. this boy in fourth grade, he told me that, you know, my nose was really big and now I only yep. see a nose, you know, or um that uh, this uh, a parent had you know, made this one comment about me looking how I looked in this outfit and now I feel this way. So it's it's whose voice is that? And then realizing that it's somebody else's voice and when they can decipher that it's somebody else's voice and not their own they can otherize it and it's easier to talk back to them like i'm like name it you're mm -hmm. like damn it peter like you're not doing this again like you're wrong you know i i don't agree with you you know take it out of yourself because when you think it's your own voice it's hard to argue with yourself but if it's like peter or that teacher that you used to have that made that comment about how you're never going to amount to anything like yeah you can talk back to them not just we, teacher parent yeah, perhaps parent yeah i mean we've great Caregiver, teachers and great parents perhaps. but yes yes yeah exactly I, well, you, you brought up such, such an excellent point um, earlier, and I wanted to underline it and come back to it. Your friend didn't get it, didn't mm -hmm. get non-binary, and then yes. eventually got it, right? Yes. But so many people make the mistake, and parents make this mistake too, which is why it seemed relevant to the episode today. Sometimes you don't get it. And what I would encourage everyone to do is love anyway. Mm. Respect anyway. So there are a ton of LGBTQ youths who come to mom and dad and say, I'm non-binary and mom and dad don't get it. But mom and dad assume they have to get it before they respect it. Mm. Mm. It's the other way. Respect your child first. And then sometime in the future, you might get it. Like your friend demoed yeah. so beautifully, right? If you start with an assumption of love, start with an assumption of respect, start with an assumption of someone's beautiful humanity, you might get it later. You might mm. sometime. Right? I, I want to go to your top tip, but before we do, I, yeah. I, I, you mentioned something in the beginning about haters might've been even before we got started, but I mean, what's the message for the parents who are like, I I love my child. Like I embrace my child and I send them out into the world and there's these terrible people who tell them that they're not good enough and that they should change. And I, they're in the school, like I, they're with them for hours, you know, or they, you know, they see them out, you know, just in the community or in the neighborhood. Like what's the message for, where does the message for the parents who are dealing with these haters and their child who they love so much and they don't know what to do? Oh, goodness. That is a whole, that is, we could do a whole episode on. I hate, know. I know. I think you have to come back where it comes from. And yeah, that'll be our part two. Yeah. Part two. Uh, and the reasons for it and all of that's all of that. It is deeply unfair. Your LGBTQ child will face terribleness, discrimination, hatred. They won't be safe. Uh, I can't sugarcoat any of it. And I don't feel it would be a service to sugarcoat any of that for anyone listening. Um, if your kid goes out in the world, they might, um, depending on where you live or, or yeah, they may be physically actually unsafe many, many, many times in their life. What you can do is overcompensate <laughs> 
and give them a home base. Somebody actually just DM'd me about this uh, just just a couple of days ago and said, you know, I keep my LGBTQ child in a bubble. We have the oh. neighbors we can trust. We have this the school friends we can trust. We, you know, we mm-hmm. have the, the one family member, the aunt. I who get we that know temptation. Is safe, that makes sense. Yeah. And keep them in the bubble. And this person was saying, is that wrong? Should, you know, is that, is that bad as a parent? Should I not do that? And I said, oh, please keep them in a bubble for as long as you possibly can make sure they know that there are people who love them. Make sure they know that there are human beings who support them and, and um, they'll find out soon enough. Yeah. People who hate their guts. It's hard because you, you, you want your child to live, you know, you want your child to go out into the world and take gymnastics if they want to, and not yeah. have to worry about the, the person who's giving them bad feedback about themselves, not their, their form doing a cartwheel. And the idea of needing to keep them close to you instead of individuate the way that is appropriate for any child to be able to do and be able to stand on their own two feet. It's just profoundly unfair. I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. Yes. Um, to me, the bubble serves the purpose of them having a safe space yeah. to be, uh, not to steer them away from individuating, which again is yes, very important. And I mean, gosh, it's so hard to talk about because it's also an invitation for courage Yeah, as a parent and as the kid. As a child. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're going to have to be very strong in order yeah. to survive. I can't phrase it another way. Knowing and that they can come home to a safe haven. I think it's maybe the very helpful. thing that kind of keeps them going, like allows yes. them to go out into the world and deal with the frustration. I might also say is when I talk about bullying, not for LGBTQ in particular, just in general, yeah. you know, yeah. that you want to be able to identify your safe people, your safe places in the school. If you're being picked on in certain areas, if you're being discriminated against certain areas that you have certain advocates at the school, allies at the school that make it so you're not constantly in that situation, that they're aware of what's going on and then can help in that case. I mean, that so that they can navigate an everyday. Absolutely. And that's another thing parents can do is the groundwork. Mm-hmm. Go into that school and find out, you know, if, if who can be a, you know, a safe person and who can't be lay, mm-hmm. lay as much groundwork as you can. Right. Right. You made me think of something. So, well, when I was in high school, I, I was, I sat in the back of the class because I didn't want to be the center of attention. And, you know, because attention was bad to me in a lot of ways mm-hmm. in the ways, you know, we're, we're talking about now. And so at one point in study hall, I was going from the back of the class to the front and crossing the front. And one of the school bullies was in the front and he tripped me and I fell down. And um, that bully said, watch where you're going, F word, in front of the whole class. And the class started laughing. It was the longer F word, not the shorter one. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink. Yeah. Um, you know, watch where you're going. And the class mm-hmm. started laughing and I looked up and the teacher was laughing. Oh, and thought it was hilarious. And that kind of, um, to be able to raise a kid who's going to have to face some of that stuff, that their, their governor hates them, 
right? Their school legislators hate them, the pastor, other teachers, the, you know, talk about just authority figures. And it's so difficult to, to be able to field some of that stuff. So yeah, as a parent, you have to be extra, extra credit kind, extra credit enthusiastic. So give us your top tip. What would you want people to come away with after reading your book or listening to this podcast about self-esteem, about gender identity, about helping their kid live their best life or themselves really start to do the work as you're saying, what, what kind of things do you do top tip that you really want them to come away with? It goes against everything you can imagine. And we hinted at this earlier, especially how women are usually programmed and raised moms. You have to be doing this work yourself. I went away, I studied Zen for over 20 years and we discussed, I, I was part of an order. Um, I do not live with self-hate. And that was the most important thing I could have ever done in my life. Mm. And I'm not saying you have to get to that level, um, mm -hmm. but how you talk to yourself inside your head and working through all of that stuff, to me, is almost more important than how you're gonna treat your kid because it will fall out how you're going to treat your kid will fall from that mm. process. Mm. But just the idea that self-care is selfish has done so much damage. And if anything, I would say it's the opposite. Mm. Self-care makes you a selfless person. Mm. Mm. Yes, you have more to give. Indeed. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You're so full, you so you have more to give, yeah. What's the resource of the week? Where can we go to get more information about you, your book, and the work you're doing? Well, I mean, Google me, baby. <laughs> Come join me on TikTok. Um, yeah. And yeah. I, I make a point to be ultra accessible. Hello at jeffreymarsh.com. <laughs> if anyone wants to say hi, I don't, because of the hate I get, I don't check it directly, but it will get yes. to me. I'm everywhere. So yes. Well, I'll be you. putting all of your links in the yeah, okay, show good. notes. So anybody who's driving or running or whatever you're doing, don't worry, we got you. And I just yeah. want to thank you so much for being on the show today. It was so much fun having you on. So interesting, such a learning process. And I, I can't even pick a favorite part. I just feel like you have such a way about yourself and sharing it with us so that we can be more understanding of our children and more understanding of the LGBTQ community. It's so important. It is such an important step for all of us to take. I thank you listeners for sticking through and, and really learning something, keeping your mind open. Um, we can all do this together. So thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, and I, I'm gonna turn the tables on you. So I don't mind if people are uncomfortable mm -hmm. with LGBTQ people. We got to talk about it. We got to talk about it. If you're going to become more comfortable, we're, That's right. we got to talk about it. So That's we got to start somewhere. Right? Totally my theory. Yeah. So, and the thing that I love most about you is that you show the process. You show the seams. You show the weak points. You show the, the emotion. And that to me is essential. Gosh. Yeah. Love it. You're such a so thanks for having me today. 
Thank you. It was a pleasure. It was a uh, pleasure. With you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Well, everybody, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends. I know you have yours. Let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. We can go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page. We can chat about it. DrRobinSilverman.com. You can get on Twitter under Dr. Robin. I'm also on Instagram. Nothing like Jeffrey, but I'm working on it. Okay. I'm also on Instagram. <laughs> just starting the TikTok under Dr. Robin Silverman. I'm working my butt off. And if you love this podcast, like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it. I can't tell you how much those five-star reviews mean to me because it means that other people are going to see the podcast with the algorithm and all thing, and they will learn about Jeffrey and read Jeffrey's book and, and you might save an LGBTQ kid's life. And you, you may thank you. And this was definitely a five-star episode. Thank you. Agreed. Agreed. (laughs) And that's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators, thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please go to drrobinsilverman.com. There's so many great podcasts up there, and the show notes to this podcast will be up there as well, so you can read all about it, get all those links, press on those links, and follow Jeffrey. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. I know it's not easy, but never forget that You are here getting this information so that you can apply it to your child, that you can apply it in real time. Parenting can often provide the ultimate do-over. So if you messed up, it's okay. Go back, admit it, say it, say what you wish you said, say what you wish you didn't say. I'm there, right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you're 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.